I don't believe every person is a child of God. We're all made in the image and likeness of God. But as many as received him, to them he has given the right to become, because they weren't before, a child of God to those who believe in his name. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy. Dr. Brogy is the senior pastor at Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. We've moved into chapter 18 of our study in the book of Revelation. Dr. Brogy has noted a sequence of events that will occur following the rapture of all of the Christians on earth. A series of plagues will occur during a time known as the Tribulation. The devil's agent, the Antichrist, will come on the scene and he'll come to power developing a one-world religion and a one-world government which will come against the nation Israel. As we pick up, Dr. Brogy addresses what life will be like during this time when everyone will be required to have a mark on their hand or forehead if they wish to purchase or sell anything. The Babylonian system will seduce kings and merchants, and they will gladly give up things of an eternal nature for money. Look at verse 3. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. Now, God uses sexual terms to describe this commercial empire. And of course, during this time in human history, immorality literally, physically, will be widespread like never before in human history. The body of Christ will be gone. The last vestige of salt and light will disappear. And what people today are telling our young people, it's okay to be engaged with multiple partners. It's okay to be attracted to people of the same sex and so on and so forth. It's going to have full expression in this coming day. The seeds are being planted, but there'll be full expression in this coming day when these evil fallen demons will deceive people and try to convince people out of their own sin nature to follow after. How widespread will this deception be? Go back to chapter 13 for a second. I should have told you to hold your finger there, sorry. Go back to chapter 13 for just a moment. I want you to see again foundationally how widespread this is and how he's going to convince the kings and the merchants, and he's using terms really of idolatry, because when you put something above God, it's a form of idolatry. Paul will say to the Colossians, greed is idolatry. We think idolatry is when we worship down, and like in India, they'll say, this speaker, this is God. Let's worship this speaker. They have 300 million gods in India. Everything's just about a god. You say, well, that's pagan. Well, don't forget, a third of the world still practices this kind of idolatry. But there's more than one kind of idolatry. There's idolatry of the hearts. And God says, greed is idolatry. And here are these kings are being immoral and unfaithful to the Creator God, and they are worshiping the almighty buck. Well, how are they going to become rich so fast? Revelation 13, verse 16, and He causes all, the small and the great, and the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves. We're talking about a global sweep here. The small and the great, that's every social category whether it's the untouchables caste in India or the noble family there, the royal family in England, every class, every economic category, the rich and the poor. 
from the poorest person in the world to the billionaire. It doesn't make any difference. And then he adds in the free men and the slaves. Yes, slavery will be very much present. You say that, you can't be serious. Slavery? Mm Mm-hmm. God knew there would be slavery during that time, and I hope you know there's slavery today. Now, I'm not talking about sex trafficking. That's a huge problem. And our state is a leader in sex trafficking, South Carolina. If you have an engagement with a prostitute and you're caught, it's a $200 fine. So a bunch of us as pastors, we tried to convince them to raise it at least to $1,500. We have the lowest penalty of all 50 states. Can't we make it at least $1,500? Some states have three, four, five thousand $5,000. So some man visits a prostitute, and most of these prostitutes, you know, the average age they start, 12. Because some wicked man convinces some little girl and makes her a slave. But I'm not talking about that kind of slavery. There are 48 million people across the world in slavery. The number one countries in the world include India, China, Pakistan, Nigeria, Ethiopia, Russia, Thailand, the DR Congo, Myanmar, and Bangladesh. And most of it is economic slavery in terms of if you borrow money and you can't pay it back in those countries, you become a person's slave. And if you don't pay it back in your lifetime, then your child becomes that slave. God knew in the future that there would be slavery because God knows the future. And he causes all the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. A mark, a karagma. It refers to a brand, to an etching in every place, both in and outside of the Bible, even of a snake bite or a brand that someone would put on their camel, an etching of some kind will be given to people. Some kind of special tattoo. Tattooing has become very popular. Now one in five Americans have a tattoo. And if you are in the 18 to 25 range, 40% have tattoos. I'm blessed to travel to many countries of the world to preach the gospel sometimes, to minister. And wherever I go now, people have tattoos. There's probably a conditioning that is taking place. Maybe it will look like this on the right hand, or maybe it will look like this in the forehead. But I do know that day is coming. Now, whether it's associated with a chip or they're using some kind of special paint that can only be scanned, I don't know. I can tell you of technologies, but so can other people. But I do know there will be an etching. 666, he causes all to have a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. Now, there's been a lot of ink spilt on why the right hand, I think just practically, because most people are right-handed. A few of us are blessed with left-handedness. But if you don't have a right hand, you have at least a forehead or you're not alive. So there's a place for everyone. And we're given the purpose in verse 17 of that chapter, and he provides it no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. All financial activity across the planet will be controlled through one man. You need gas for the car, you need the mark. You're cold and it's wintertime, you need electricity for your family, you need the mark. 
You're a diabetic, you have high blood pressure, you need some antibiotic, you need the mark. You want to feed your family and you've run out of killing squirrels in the backyard, you need the mark. You cannot buy or sell anything. And so in the truest sense, you can see how this kingdom will flourish economically, and how people will, who give their allegiance to him, flourish with him. Listen to verse 18. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. Now I want to tell you, go back to chapter 18 for a moment. Back to chapter 18. Back here in 18... You can see the universality of this economy. Who does it cover? All the kings and all the merchants of the earth. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. Satan and his antichrist and his false prophets and hordes of demons upon the earth will convince people to take the mark and you're either a member of the antichrist kingdom or you're a member of Christ's kingdom and there will be no neutrality, none whatsoever. Men will be lovers of pleasure and men will be lovers of money rather than lovers of God. Now, God is going to judge this place. Remember, again, chapter 16 and verse 18. Let me just read it to you. You don't have to turn there. And there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there was a great earthquake such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it and so mighty. This is the earthquake of all earthquakes. It wouldn't measure on the Richter scale. And the great city, in that context, Jerusalem, was split into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. Why? Because they all participated. All the nations of the world are involved in this economic system. And there are earthquakes just across the planet. Not just uh, Washington, New York, Paris. Every city begins to crumble. But then God pinpoints and he puts his bullseye on this place called Babylon. Babylon the Great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. And that's what verse 3 is describing here. These people are going to receive the fierce wrath of God Almighty because of their wickedness. They are more engaged in the next meal for some people or the next mansion for some king. They are shining the brass on the Titanic and the boat is headed down to ultimate destruction. Now, you're living in the first century. You're one of the seven churches. You have been promised that you will not be here for this time. Or you're living today in the 21st century, and you're a member of Community Bible Church, and you understand what God says about the rapture that will become so crystal clear to you in the 20th chapter, you will see it is absolutely impossible to hold to anything but a pre-tribulational rapture. And you say, well, what does this have to do with me? Everything. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it is all profitable 
So let me see how we can apply this today. Let me make three applications as we close. Number one, I'm reminded that the closer we come to Christ's return, the more we can expect demonic activity to show itself. The closer we get to the return of Christ, listen, the rapture takes place first. Nothing has to happen for the rapture. But as you see, prophecy fulfilled for the latter days, for the second coming, you know, the rapture that precedes the second coming is that much closer. And God gives a prophecy in 1 Timothy 4.1 of the latter days, not just the last days that began on Pentecost, not just the last of the last days, but the latter days, which refer to the very end days before Jesus, the Messiah, comes to rule on the earth. And Paul said, but the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith. Not just from faith, but the faith. This body of truth that Jude tells us that was delivered once and for all by the apostles that we are to contend for. People will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. One very large church in D.C., they run 10,000 people. Let me read how they describe one of their adult Bible fellowships. They say in this small group, the gift of prophecy in advertising, it is not reserved for just the super spiritual believers. Scripture promises that the Holy Spirit will be poured out to every believer in the world. We believe that there is power through demonstrating the love of God through gifts of prophecy, words of knowledge, and healing. This small group will be going over a basic training for the prophetic ministry curriculum that aims to help believers to understand and operate in the prophetic ministry. We welcome everyone at all stages of their faith and are excited to walk with you on this journey. Get ready to hear God's voice, speak his word with power, and release hope to those around you. Half-truths all the way through here. Yes, the Spirit of God is poured out on all flesh. Anyone who will believe on the Lord Jesus will become a temple of the Holy Spirit. But what this small group is advertising, I don't read the whole thing this morning, is they are saying that you can become a direct conduit of revelation. God Almighty can speak directly so that you can stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. Listen, that, my friend, is a doctrine of a demon. That is false. God, as we will see, has completed the canon of Scripture, and we are not to add to it or subtract to it. Here's another small group in another evangelical church. They're promoting Sarah Bessie's book called Jesus Feminist. Written with poetic rhythm, this is the book they were studying, written with poetic rhythm, a prophetic voice in a deeply biblical foundation, this loving yet fearless book urges today's church to move beyond man-made restrictions and fully welcome women's diverse voices and experiences. Gender roles have been debated for centuries, and now Sarah Bessie offers a clarion freedom call for all who want to realize their giftedness and potential in the kingdom of God. Through a thoughtful review of biblical teaching and church practices, Bessie shares how following Jesus made a feminist out of her. And so you read the book, and it advocates women becoming pastors. And if you know Sarah Bessie's work and teaching unapologetically with the support of Rachel Held Evans and Jen Hatmaker, 
They totally approve same-sex marriage. So Evans, Evans, Rachel Held, and Hatmaker endorse her book. And the foreword is written by Brian McLaren, one of the leaders in the emergent church who I spoke about 10 years ago, and I got all kinds of mail. And who are you to divide the body of Christ only to see that he has now come out in favor of same-sex marriage, and he performed the wedding for his gay son who married his quote-unquote husband. This group is a doctrine of demons. Here's another small group using Rachel Hollis's book entitled Girl, Wash Your Face. It's published by Thomas Nelson. Thomas Nelson was one of the leading evangelical presses. If it was on Thomas Nelson or Moody, you could trust it. Ladies, are you ready to stop believing lies about yourself and become who you were created to be? Then please join this group of women for some encouragement, accountability, and empowerment as we dive into Rachel Hollis's book, Girl, Wash Your Face. This hilarious, energetic, and fun book will mirror our group. And here's how the author, Rachel Hollis, promotes herself. I love Jesus and I cuss a little. I love Jesus, and I drink alcohol. I love Jesus, and some of my best friends are gay. Look, I'm not ashamed to say that we shouldn't try to reach out and be friendly. Jesus was a friend of sinners. But she and her husband run these retreats, and they invite all kinds of couples, including on their websites, unmarried, married, and same-sex couples to come together for a weekend to learn how to make out like teenagers. That is a doctrine of a demon. Here's a leading Methodist pastor who writes for the United Methodist Church, and on their homepage that went out to tens of thousands of homes, he wrote, one must be careful in using the Bible as a source of moral standards. How are we to think about and act towards the LGBTQ community? We know that the majority of Americans do not oppose homosexual relations. I don't know if that's true, that if the majority is in favor, but the majority isn't always right. The majority of Germans under Hitler were, were in favor of exterminating the Jews. That didn't make it right. Yet others believe that while every person is a child of God... Speaking of evangelicals, he's saying, but I don't believe, I don't believe every person is a child of God. We're all made in the image and likeness of God, but as many as received him, to them he has given the right to become, because they weren't before, a child of God to those who believe in his name. Others believe that while every person is a child of God, homosexual behavior is a choice and is sinful, and marriage is only to be affirmed when between a man and a woman. A key question for me, is that position simply an expression of ancient and current cultural norms, or is that the timeless and moral position sanctioned by God? That's an important question, I should say. When Jesus said, we wash one another's feet, how many of you washed someone's feet this week? What's the timeless principle and how does it apply today? So he goes on, he says, what is moral in a timeless sense? Here's his definition. What is moral in a timeless sense is whatever is helpful to human beings. And what is immoral is whatever is hurtful to human beings. Wrong. 
that, it, that is a timeless value. It cuts across all times and circumstances. It helps us separate temporary customs from values that are lasting. If a person is born with same gender, same gender orientation, are people born gay? No, they are not. If people are born gay, then God would be an unjust God as holding them accountable in 1 Corinthians 6 when he says, don't be deceived, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals shall inherit the kingdom of God. Look, if God made you this way, how can God hold you morally accountable? He cannot, because God didn't make you this way. And I was just disgusted this week with some parent who's trying to let their little seven-year-old girl become a boy. It is sick. If a person is born with the same gender orientation, why must they be prohibited from having an intimate relationship with another person, forced into isolation and loneliness, just because many people unfairly oppose that? To love your neighbors, to do the helpful thing and to avoid doing the hurtful thing, even when cultural conditioning makes that uncomfortable. Helping, not hurting, looks and sounds like Jesus to me, he writes. My friend, that is a doctrine of a demon. Paul says, at the end of time, people would abandon the faith, the Bible, and they would pay attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Now listen, it may seem bad today, but this world has not seen anything yet. Because after the church is removed, and at one point when Satan and all of his hordes of fallen demons are literally cast down to the earth, there is going to be demonic activity like the world has never, ever seen. And God warns us, listen, Dad, you need to protect your children. You need to guard your children. You need to help them to understand what God's Word says. And some of you would do well as a dad to go home and say, let's watch 15 minutes of the sermon." Do you understand what Pastor Carl means when he says this or this or this? And some of your kids are just glazing over because I can't do for you as a dad what you need to do. And sometimes if we would just take 15, 20 minutes and just, just to review a little segment of the sermon, ah, your kid has a chance to ask some questions and some things would come alive for some of them. And we are warned that sometimes even in the church, men can be drawn away. Secondly, Christians today must guard themselves from a love for temporal riches. God says of this worldwide system that the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality. The merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. What does God say? Do not love the world, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world, and the world is passing away. The one who obeys, who does the will of God, lives forever. We're not to be fascinated by this world. Now, if God gave you something, he gave it to you to enjoy, but don't hold on to it too tightly. 
50, 75 years from now, if Christ tarries, everything you own, someone else will own. C.T. Studd, the great cricket player in England who became, in the 19th century, a missionary to Africa. God used him in a powerful way to bring thousands of Africans into the kingdom. And his ministry to this day continues. And many of you know at least one line from his famous poem, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ is last. It's a long poem. You should read it in its entirety. But do you know what motivated him to write that poem? He read the tract of an atheist that was mocking Christians. And this is what he read. The atheist wrote, did I firmly believe, as millions say they do, that the knowledge and practice of religion in this life influences destiny in another? Religion would mean to me everything. I would cast away earthly enjoyments as dross, earthly cares as follies, and earthly thoughts and feelings as vanity. Religion would be my first waking thought and my last image before sleep sank me into unconsciousness. I should labor in its cause alone. I would take thought for the mar of eternity alone. I would esteem one soul gained for heaven worth of life of suffering. Earthly consequences should never stay my hand nor seal my lips. Earth, its joys and its griefs would occupy no moment of my thoughts. I would strive to look upon eternity alone and on the immortal souls around me soon to be everlastingly happy or everlastingly miserable. I would go forth to the world and preach to it in season and out of season. And my text would be, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? C.T. Stodd was absolutely convinced that what this so-called atheist described should be entirely consistent in the life of a believer. God is describing in this passage of Scripture about how unbelievers are acting at the end of time. Jesus would tell a parable about a certain man who had a, a barn and it wasn't big enough, so he built more barns and stuffed them with more stuff and on and on and on he went. And, and then he gave the application. You know, he, he said the guy dies one day and he's, he's rich, but not towards God. And then Jesus said, for this reason, I say to you, you disciples who are born again, who are saved, here's how you ought to live. God is reminding the early church and he's reminding the 21st century church that it is the wrath of God that is being invited on their life because they value things more than they do a relationship with God. And there are timeless lessons here for us to learn. Look, there's two sides. You've got to choose. There's two kingdoms the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the evil one. There's two classes of people, the saved and the lost. There's two destinies, heaven and hell. And you have to decide which side you'll be on. And if you're on God's side, if we're on the Lord's side, as the old hymn used to say, then we should live that way. To listen again to today's message, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets, or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 and requesting program REV50. Things are still uncertain because of the COVID pandemic, but we are praying and trusting God for a resolution soon. 
As such, we've begun to make plans for another Search the Scriptures trip to Israel. Join Dr. Brogy as he leads an 11-day tour of the Holy Land in 2021. If you're interested, sign up to be notified as details unfold. Just visit searchthescriptures.org slash Israel. Tomorrow, Dr. Brogy's wife, Audrey, is in this time slot with her program for women, Mothering from the Heart. And when we return Monday, we'll continue in Revelation 18 with a message entitled, Called to be Different. Join us then as we search the Scriptures.